The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Today we got part two with Dr. V, a.k.a. Dr. McDreamy. You may have seen him on the bucket list in your favorite sitcom. Dr. Roy, you have an incredible amount of experience in positive psychology, in the practice of medicine, meditation, yoga, all this good stuff. What have you learned from the apprenticeship of life from your patients? People who, like you said, life changes in an instant. All those little problems of bills and traveling and some little things like that immediately lose their meaning. And I, not to get too cliche with what are people's biggest regrets, but like I want to hear some of these things. Hold your station, this education is relevant. The motivation through conversation is evident. We're talking spiritual body, mind, development. This is the manhood experiment. The manhood experiment. The manhood Before we continue, we need your help. We'd like to reach more like-minded people just like you and share our knowledge on personal growth, health, and success. So can you do us a favor and in your podcast app, hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star review and leave us an encouraging comment. Do it right now while you listen to this episode. That will help us know you're listening and that you care and that little action will help us reach more folks. Now back to our show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Manhood Experiment. Today, we got part two with Dr. V, a.k.a. Dr. McDreamy, a.k.a. Dr. McSteamy. You may have seen him on The Bucket List in your favorite sitcom TV show and much more. So, Dr. Roy, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. You know, that the first section of this was extremely fascinating to me. I feel like we could talk about this forever. I want to dive into some extra areas. You have an incredible amount of experience, just life experience in positive psychology and the practice of medicine, meditation, yoga, all this good stuff. I want to hear also, like, what have you learned from the apprenticeship of life from your patients? So I, I want to hear some of the biggest lessons that you've learned from these people, because it's fascinating. You talk with people who, like you said, life changes in an instant. They get this yes. diagnosis and all those little problems of bills and traveling and some little things like that immediately lose their meaning. Mm -hmm. And I, not to get too cliche with what are people's biggest regrets, but like, I want to hear some of these things that, because you have to have some profound things in the way that you probably also interpret them because you have to be able to have some emotional power and empathy to be able to continue to practice. Yeah. Right away. One of the main stories I remember is, okay, so we're, we're dealing with cancer about a third of the people I meet, they die. Wow. They die, okay? And guess wow. what? 100% of the people I meet, they end up dying, right? And that's something we miss in our country. Mm -hmm. You're going to, that's the one thing you know, you're gonna pass away. And Goosebumps. so we have to remember that, that is always on the table, right? In America, we think about death in two ways. We either make fun of it or we're trying to live forever, okay? Mm -hmm. With whatever collagen product you think is gonna work for you. But in reality, 
it's that, you know, you're going to pass away. So that's the one thing I see every day that's actually gives me a lot of gratitude. Even though it's sad, it immediately makes me appreciate my life. Mm-hmm. So let me give you a quick, it's a, it's a sad story. There's a man who came in with a, well, it's kind of sad. He came in with lung cancer and he said to me, that's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I got lung mm-hmm. cancer. And I was like, what? I'm like, why? And he said, well, I was just so focused on my work. You know, I, I don't even know my kids that well. And ever since I got the diagnosis, I'm just like, you know what? I have enough money, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm quitting my job. I'm going to go spend time with my family and I have enough money. I don't know how long I'm going to live, but I'm going to spend this time in the things that are important. Right. So that's one story that really impacted me because I was like, it actually shifted the way I was going to practice Mm -hmm. medicine. Because as you said, you know, (laughs) I'm also an actor. So I've been working as a doctor and an actor, but I've never had a full-time job as a physician. Mm -hmm. I'm working part-time at UCLA right now. Mm -hmm. I've always done it this way. And I've always thankfully had support for the way I see my life, mm-hmm. right? I see my life creative and scientific. It's and. I call that, and that's one of the things I learned. That's I call it the genius of and. Yeah. We're always thinking or. We're mm-hmm. always thinking or. Money or mm-hmm. happiness. So true. Time or my health, you know? They're not exclusive. They're, you have to think and. And so I love that. I love that. And I just want to put emphasis or exclamation mark on that because it's like you could easily like your ego could get involved and say, gosh, maybe I should get a practice or really just focus more time to be able to have these things Mm -hmm. or live this specific lifestyle. Obviously, you are choosing to make some sacrifices probably on both parts of your life. But I mean, I'm looking from the outside here and it's like, well, you get this beautiful hybrid lifestyle of delivering purpose, maybe multifaceted, faceted, but also getting to like live this art life that you're sharing the art and inspiration and helping. And so I love that it is the life by design thing, which I'm so far behind because I think it's so common that people are like, or, or this resentment of I should have done this, or I could have done this, or it's too late type of thing. So I just wanted to. And it's never too late. And, and guess what? When you start to carve your own path, there are people that will be up against you. And so I had a pretty hostile, won't say who it is, but two doctors that were really hostile with the way I was doing things. And one doctor actually said to me, she goes, she wrote on an evaluation. I had these semi-annual, I died a four-year residency at UCLA. And this particular doctor wrote, I'm a danger to patients. And I was like, what? And I went to the other court and I go, what the heck is this? He's like, go talk to her. See why she wrote this. It's in your file. So I went, I go, hey, what? What, what, why did you write this? She goes, you're putting up stuff about your place. How serious could you be? You know, I'm an MD, PhD. I spend mm-hmm. all my time here and you're like going off after residency to go do an acting class. How in the world are you serious? You're a danger to patients. Mm-hmm. And I actually said to her, listen, I think you're a danger to patients. Mm-hmm. I think you've got it wrong. And she was really got really upset. And, you know, how oh, I'm like, listen, I came here last Friday. It was 1030 at night. You're still in their office. How are you an example for anybody of health? But why are you here at 1030 at night on Friday? Like, what are you doing? She's like, why were you here? I'm like, well, as you said, I had an acting class. So I came to finish what I was doing at night. That's a sacrifice I make. But what are you doing? Anyway, so flash forward to five years. She quit being a doctor, went back to London. You try to look her up now. And then she wrote me a letter to address the residency, I opened it up. She says, 
dear Roy, and she used my first name without permission. Yeah. She said, I am now a ballroom dance teacher. I'm the happiest I've ever been. Wow. And I was wrong. You were right. I just wanted to say that and let you know. And so I showed my friend because obviously all the residents were like up in arms that they wrote that about me because it could have been any of us. Yeah. And they go, go put this up on the wall. I'm like, no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tear it up wow. because I didn't need her validation for my life. Mm. And me to keep that, it was somehow proving to myself that I was right. No, I already knew I was right. You know why? Because yeah. I was happy. She wasn't. Mm. Mm. It's deep. I want to touch on something really quick. So we talked about in the last episode, we talked about writing things, journaling, letting things go. When she wrote that letter, what did that do for her to share that? Mm. Like, what did that do for her to do that, you think? You think she was carrying some sort of resentment yeah. or regret yes. type of feeling? Well, yeah. well, number one, she was working in a field. This is, goes back to our initial conversation at the very top of episode one. She was working in, in what's called GBM, glioblastoma mm -hmm. multiforme. It's an incurable brain cancer. Mm -hmm. Her life's work was working in a cancer you cannot cure. So she's extraordinarily helpless. Mm -hmm. Her whole work was trying to do something you can't, we, we don't have the technology to do. You know, we don't have, we're not smart enough. We will be at some point, I'm sure. But right now we don't have a solution for that. So this is day and night. She's working against this thing that she can't solve. Mm -hmm. And everybody I know who works as a specialist in this, aside from one person, there's one exception, they have a lot of problems mentally and emotionally. Because mm. my, like I said, 33% of the people pass away in my care earlier in GBM, it's 99.8%. And the 0.2% wow. that is living, they probably misdiagnosed. So wow. it's, it's a very devastating disease. So for her, I think she was just, you know, had this huge buildup of putting her own needs aside to try to cure something in a heroic way, granted, a heroic way, trying yeah. to cure something that she couldn't do. So yeah. it was depression, it was a built up trauma, frustration, all these things. And there's me running around putting up posters of a play, okay? So yeah, you can imagine yeah. what that made her feel like. Yeah. Mm. Well, to be able to compartmentalize everything that's going on, like just because, I mean, it is your job to this duty, this oath that you have to take care of people. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice all the joy in your life. No. Like my wife is a nurse and I think that it's a gift that I get to hear the stories. And, and there's times where it's like she'd come home from work and I'd be like, oh, I went surfing. I caught the best <laughs> wave ever. And she's like, just not now. I can't hear. I'm like, no, it was amazing. You know, I just got totally pitted, you know, and she's just I'm like, getting annoyed right know, now, I, man. I'm getting annoyed. Yeah, she's like, I got a code blue or, you know, and I was like, what's a code blue? And, and I remember there's a time where she had like back to back. And, you know, these are cases where a patient that she either was taken care of or is involved with passed or they lost somebody. And that can be very heavy, especially in this phase that went on with the pandemic. And this is, I want to kind of take this into that is like being able to compartmentalize, like imagine there's so many people that don't do that well, that are carrying this along with them and that affects their happiness. And I think that's where we talked about meditation and being able to change our state. I view it as a superpower because it's like you're able to bring your best self forward. You're mm -hmm. able to, instead of burn bridges, I think build better bridges and connect with people and show up better. Mm -hmm. But over this period of time, you saw it a lot too. So I wanted to see like what changed in the last, we'll just throw out the time, like three to four years. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we've had a lot of fear, but look at everything, probably cancer cases that things probably got swept under the rug because yeah. people weren't getting as many checkups and everything. So I guess that's a lot there, but what do you have to say? Like, what are the biggest changes or observations that, well, that have happened in the last four or five years? 
Yeah, from my standpoint, I was actually right there in March of 2020. My friend who I was working with at UCLA, he actually broke his leg the day before skiing. And so I was in his sitting in his chair covering his clinic for the next three months. Mm. And I actually had to write all everything to do with COVID. I had to come up with all these rules based on what we knew at that time to protect myself and all the staff. Mm-hmm. And I also had patients coming in that were refusing to wear masks, refusing to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we had people that were so afraid they wouldn't come in at all yeah. with active cancers. So you had both sides. We had this polarization in America now, like the things that are true are not true. And then there was the other side where we're so scared that we can't move forward. Right. And it, it really kind of made it really clear for me that the answer, because inside myself, I actually didn't change. I actually had one secret. I would say is that I had a really good time during COVID. Yeah. Honestly, because I was able to remove a lot of the external stuff that was, was always pulling on me because you said I have a lot going on. So for me inside, because my life is inside, my life, how I see my life is inside of me and everything outside, meaning what I do, acting, medicine, writing, producing, all these things are outside of me. My life now is more on the inside and COVID really, really proved that to me that that was true for me because people were falling apart. Marriages were falling apart, as you know, relationships, mm-hmm. all these things. And from a cancer perspective, it really let me see like, wow, okay, the way I'm teaching, the way I'm living, because I'm not teaching it because I think it, I'm teaching it because I live it, right? Mm-hmm. I wrote this book because this is how I live. And this is what the research shows is important as well. So for me, it really showed this inside out, complete physical, mental, emotional, spiritual way is the way because you're taking care of everything. And so anything I had going on where I was afraid that, oh, I might get it from this patient. What do I do? I had to be able to regulate myself and walk in and do what I could do, wear my mask and be on the other side of the room and really, really do what I could do with compassion from this other person's standpoint that they didn't think about me. You know, yeah. a lot of doctors are like, these guys aren't even thinking about us. I'm like, well, they have cancer. Mm. And they're like, yeah, but they're not thinking about us. They could give us something. You know, I have a lot of doctors that are refusing. One doctor, he refused to practice. So I was covering not the guy who broke his leg, but another guy. He's like, I have heart stuff. I'm not going near these people. Wow. You know, because I'm an oncologist, but I'm also a human. And so is this other guy. I didn't fault him for it. But my wife was like, why are you putting yourself in that situation? Why are you going in? Why aren't these other people stepping up to play? Why are you doing it? I'm concerned about you. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I hear you on that. But I think I'm really healthy. I think I can handle this. I think I can come up with a solution and and protect myself. And I did all the way through COVID. I never got it up until, Mm -hmm. you know, two and a half years later. So I have a question related to the whole COVID thing. You know, we've been to the last couple of years, there's a lot of doubt on science, a lot of doubt mm-hmm. of Western medicine. Yeah. And there's a lot of misinformation. You even spoke in your book about a girl who had a 19-year-old girl who wrote a blog and was passing to the science. Yes. How do you approach this? And for especially listeners and people who have a lot of doubt around medicine, the science, and the misinformation that's yeah. going on right now. Really, really great really great topic. And I, I believe one thing that we are really blessed with in our world now, we have access to so much information. I have a friend who's, she's a monastic a, a woman. She said, you know, we have the information, but we don't have the wisdom to use it. Mm-hmm. 
so we're in this age with so much information, but we are only coming from our narrow viewpoint of what truth is. And that's why I like science because it's validated. You know, it doesn't matter if you see on my shirt, it says MD. It doesn't matter what degree I have per se, but the degree shows you that I went to school for 26 years. So maybe I know a little bit more than the average person about the topic that I actually studied, right? And I honestly, I got really frustrated because I started doing a lot of posts about COVID health and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. my one friend, she said to me, he goes, why does it make, he got really, he called me, he vented on me. He goes, what makes you the expert on COVID? You're an oncologist. You don't even study this stuff. I'm like, well, number one, why are you so, why are you yelling at me? Mm -hmm. You know? And then uh, you, my friend, why are you yelling at me? I'm trying to help people, but why are you? Because mm -hmm. you think you know what you're talking about. You don't know. Just because you know cancer means you know COVID now. And I was like, you know, you're right. So what I did, I got a lifestyle medicine board certification. I went back to school. I put myself. So now, yeah, honestly, that's how I get motivated. I'll say, oh, okay, wow. I'm not an expert. Mm -hmm. Let me go study this thing. And so now mm -hmm. I studied lifestyle medicine. I studied this new field and I integrated it with so I took this person's questioning and made myself stronger on paper. Wow. And in the end, though, I think, though, the answer is, you know what? If you are going to believe me, you have to check into me. Listen to the voice that's speaking right now. Look me up. Am I legitimate? Am I not? Do you not want to listen to what I have to say? Am I Rogan? Or am I Roy Vontama, MD, board, double board certified? One person's questioning isn't coming from a place of trying to help you in, in the sense of an educated knowledge standpoint. One person is. So one may be sexier in terms of how he's presenting stuff. That's his skill set. Mm -hmm. Side note on that, his podcast studio is next to the cancer clinic I was covering. So he'd oh, have wow. guests coming in in the valley up in these limos and stuff. And I'm in the cancer clinic on the other side. He's talking about this thing. I'm doing my own posts on yeah. Facebook and he's doing this podcast about how, you know, I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking questions. I'm not yeah. saying that I believe anything. I'm just asking questions. Like, are you really, are you really, you know? So it was really juxtaposed for me because he was right there. He has a house in the development that my wife has a house too. So I was wow. seeing him all day. Oh, that's Rogan. That's that guy, you know? Yeah. So it was really, really trippy for me because personally he's there. He's moved out of state now. He still owns that house, but he's out of state. So that is the answer is like, you've got to look into people's history. You can't just mm -hmm. listen to something and yeah. think, oh, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Oh, he's right. Yeah. In science, they call that confirmation bias. He's mm. just talking to what you already think. That's what the news is now. It's all confirmation bias, but that's bullshit. Yeah. And that's, you know, and I think there's so many loud voices like pointing fingers about who's doing things wrong and creating the fear and the conspiracies and all this. But to me, I think at the end of the day, why wasn't there stronger voices just making a voice for taking care of our health? And why yeah. isn't that, you know, we talked about that in the last portion of this, like, why isn't health sexier? Like when I feel quote unquote healthier, which I want your definition for health as well as like, I express a better version of myself when I'm healthier emotionally, spiritually, yeah. I'm more creative. I show up better. And think about that. I'm expressing the best version of myself moment to moment when I'm taking care of myself. And I think that that is something that it really didn't get very much attention. And how you want to define health, I think in my book, I titled it called Making Healthy Taste Good. And healthy is certainly subjective, whereas 
for some healthy is the absence of disease. Some people it's thriving and so on. But at the end of the day, like I think we all are more resilient when we're healthy. So I know it's a lot there, but to start out by how do you define healthy and you know, what do you think? Yeah, I think if we tie it back into kind of where I come from, a spiritual place, health for me is happiness. Yeah. So that comes in two ways. That's an internal state of joy with the absence of suffering. So mm -hmm. it's actually both of those things on the same wavelength. One is the positive, one is the negative, absence of suffering and this state of joy. So for me, that's real health. And that comes physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. So you have to have them all really. And on answer why it's not sexy, I think partially the answer is not sexy because we don't make it sexy. The media thrives off of making drama, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not made up of holistic health, right? There's no show coming on at 5 p.m. about holistic health. It's not about that. It's about the war, right? Yeah. So if you look at coming back to what we talked about last episode too, it's like control what you can control. And guess what? If you go into that place where you're following whatever drama is coming on through all your channels, are you feeling better about your life? Oh, yeah. That's the question you need to answer because you're not, you need to change it. I didn't say this last episode, but last week I just went on a five day retreat. I hadn't gone on since COVID because the place I go to has been closed because of COVID. I didn't realize how much I needed it. And that's something I would say about happiness too. It's like you have to really choose to disconnect. We have so many ways to do that now. Out in LA, you can get an Airbnb out in the desert and just go stay there for three days. Shut your phone off. Try mm -hmm. it. You don't have to meditate. Just shut your phone off. Mm -hmm. Try it. Try to take some time. Unplug. So that that's something I didn't say before. That's part of my health solution. You got to disconnect. As we're fully connected right now, the microphone, headset, internet, all this lights, we're so connected now. I couldn't get reception there. I had to like, make a message i couldn't find where to go and i'm walking around my phone and this guy's like ah you're looking for reception i'm like yeah yeah where he goes it doesn't have it's not here yeah. and i was like what what and then i was like oh you know what you are so tied in man i was talking to myself not him oh i was like you're so tied into your phone you can't even put it down you're supposed to be on this retreat you're walking around so trying to send a message out even me right me yeah. like the expert guy. It's like, no, we're all doing it. If I'm doing it, I guarantee you're doing yeah. it. Yeah. You know, so I couldn't put it down. Hey, listeners, this is Big Dreams. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all for listening to today's episode of The Manhood Experiment. Please follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Manhood Experiment. There, you'll find the latest giveaways and some very funny behind the scenes moments. Now, back to the show. As I was doing some homework on you, I read something cool about a large number of hours you've spent with silent meditation or silent retreats. I know that obviously you got a lot of publicity. I'm a sports guy. And so with Aaron Rodgers claiming that that was such a big oh. you know, boost for him to get this new fresh perspective on life. Are you doing something similar to this or how would you explain? Oh, yeah. Because another one of my close friends has done some of these. The darkness. Yeah, that's like a complete darkness cave retreat. Oh, I mean, the essence of that is really real. I mean, if you look at T-Rex's ancestry, they went to caves all the time. You know, they went to separate from the world. Yeah. I don't think we need to do that all the time because it's really hard to find food in a cave. Yeah. And go, where are you going to go to the bathroom? 
So, I mean, there's a lot of basics that is better in the world that we have, but we've lost part of that. We've lost that part of disconnecting from everything. I just really quick on the retreat, I asked them, can I serve when I'm here? And they're like, sure. Okay. So one of the things I had me do is go weed this path. I'm like, yeah. And number one, physically trying to crouch down in a squat for two and a half hours, you realize you don't do it very much, you know, which mm-hmm. is why people, if you want to go into blue zones research, you look at people in Okinawa, mm-hmm. they're in that position all the time. Number two, weeding mentally for me was like, I'm weeding the, the mind of my life, my own mind. Mm-hmm. So I'm just pulling these weeds. Oh, it's and there's something physically. So. So I was going to say that too, for everybody listening to it's like, you don't need to go to an ashram or a retreat center to do stuff that's spiritual and disconnecting. You can just leave your phone at your house, take a bag, go on the street, maybe put on a glove or something, just start picking up garbage, you know? Yeah. And that process alone is going to clear you up. So mm-hmm. that's like going back to a principle of yoga is called Sausha, cleanliness, right? Mm-hmm. You want to clean everything, physical, mind, everything. And a practice like that, taking a bag and walking out on your street, picking up garbage. Wow. But too often we'd rather, I think, distract ourselves with instant gratification or entertainment or a show or something that gives us that feeling. I yeah. think we know this because it's like there's a weird craving. It's not just me to do something mindless, whether mm-hmm. it is watch entertainment or a TV show or comedy yes. or something like that. And we crave that. And maybe that's part of this restorative nature or something that we seek that we need for physical and mental health. Yes. But I think that obviously there's a fine line in that when people, if you're not taking inventory and you're finding that you're doing that a lot more than you are maybe bettering yourself or doing something. Well, I think the essence of all the things you just said though is escape, right? Escape. So you're escaping from pain. That's Mm -hmm. basically what you just told me. And that's true. I think 99% of people approach life that way. They just want to have that absence of suffering, like go back to the definition. They're trying to remove suffering. So they're mm. they're looking for something that's making them feel good, whether it's smoking, drinking, drugs, sex, TV, mm. all these things. But I, I promise you, man, if you just get off here and get a bag and go look and try to pick up garbage, obviously put on a glove just in case. But if you do that, you're going to feel something, though, because you're tapping into something that is, by all respects, positive. You're cleaning up, but also you're doing something that is not of you. All the things that we do in this world are about instant gratification of us, mm-hmm. of us. But if you do things only for yourself, you will lead yourself to suffering. That's just the law wow. of spirituality. So whatever tradition you look at. So like even that simple thing, when I was weeding this path for someone else, it wasn't for me. I wasn't coming back there. You know, I, it was for me. That's the point. They gave it to me because it was, they know, ah, yeah, do this because I'm very serviceful. Like, oh, go weed this garden. And I, well, I, was, I was so happy. I was so happy. I'm like, I got to take this home, but I don't have a path to weed. I go, oh, dude, you live in LA. Yeah. Go walk outside. I'm like, oh, well, that's not the same thing. That's not a path at a retreat center. You know, it's like these things we think that stop us from doing things that are good for ourselves. Okay, I guess I'm going to take this a little different direction. So I wanted to make sure I touched on this. So the four houses that make up our health, we have mental, spiritual, physical, emotional. How do you feel like, and you can speak for yourself or we can speak generally, do you feel like 
the priorities with those change as we go through different stages of our life. And obviously, I bring that up because I think the ego is maybe involved in Mm -hmm. how we want to show up in different areas. And I can see how some of those have changed now that I have a different responsibility being married and my relationship with time is different. And now I have a child. And so can you touch on that? Like, especially you went through a big, and this is good, I think, for men and women that are listening that maybe are single or are in a relationship. Like, how have those priorities changed or needed to change in order for you to build that solid house of health? Wow, that's really a great. Wow, that's definitely something I, I have not thought of. This. I'm going to think of it right now, though. The thing that's changed for me getting married is everything that I did was in my control. When mm-hmm. I did stuff, you know, to get up and meditate and do all that, that's easy to do when you don't have a crying baby. That's easy to do when you don't have somebody, for example, earlier today, my wife got up earlier than me, you know, and she's a, like a quadruple snoozer. And I'm like, just, 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 just get up. You know, I'm like, I'm trying to sleep. I like, I didn't, I went to bed really late cause I have a rehearsal for the show I'm doing. And I was like, man, so what came out of that moment was, okay, I got this podcast coming up, you know, I don't have time to do my whole morning routine. Mm-hmm. So immediately, holistically, I think, okay, okay. But I don't, I'm kind of have this thing. I'm, I have compassion for myself. So I'm like, look, you meditate for as long as you can do, mm. you know, but you also need to eat something. I played volleyball on the beach yesterday. Got a little back tweak. I'm like, need to put on a little ice there, have some food, do a meditation, right? And then the construction started on the other side. I got frustrated because I was like, I just set all this up yesterday for the podcast. Now you're telling me I have to go. To... Okay. Yeah. That's part of life, man. You know? But from a place of compassion, not a hard place. So for me, having compassion for maybe how other people do things and then also giving myself a break, yeah, it's really had to take all the training I've had because I didn't sleep as much as I wanted to. I had yeah. planned for seven hours. You know, I got like five, five and a half or whatever. So I immediately coming off, not fully rested, all these things. So for me, it was about just doing what I can and the time I had, I know it's important. I start right with meditation. Yeah. But for me also, my trap is my phone because I got a lot of messages overnight. And so what I did was I I filtered, I did like a a news firewall now. So I don't see any news in the morning, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to look at my phone. I know me, I can't stop myself. Right. So I'm trying, but I look, okay, do I have any pending fires here? No phones down. Not really though. Cause I'm like in the bathroom. Oh, well, who won? You know, how did Wemby do on the Spurs? He's really tall. I wonder how many points he had. So I'm like, look, I'm like, okay, let me just check that real quick. Okay. You know, so I'm trying to work with who I am. I'm not, I'm not following a rigid construct, right? I'm yeah. Just, yeah. We were trying to weave our way through life. And it's like, just take some of what I said, do a little bit of it, whether it's a little bit of the meditation from the last one, whether it's a burn page, whether it's the breathing six times a minute. Mm. Whether you have, obviously, I have this new program for people coming out of cancer, right? It's like, sign up for our new course, read my book, do anything. Just put yourself toward the right way and have compassion for yourself. Yeah. I love your approach on how you do things. It's taking it more compassionately because a lot of times in personal development, it's like being tough and being tough on yourself. and. Mm then you drive yourself to where you're crash and burn. Right. So I have a question for you. I know we're running out of time here, but this was something I wrote on top of my list to ask you. And you spoke about 
early on in your book, you spoke about taking ownership of your health. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really big topic. And you use a car analogy of you take the car to a mechanic, but you don't expect the mechanic to always take care of your car. It depends, it comes down to you. Right. Could you talk a little bit about taking responsibility for your health? What does that mean to you? And what should that mean for the listener? For taking responsibility, so how, it's in the word, like Jason brought up earlier, responsibility. You have a response and you have the ability to change those things. You have a change, everything you do, you have responsibility in it. So to me, that's really what it is, is something's happened to you. How are you going to respond? So that's how I approach my life. Like I said, the example mm-hmm. earlier with the construction outside, I had to move my whole setup to this next room. You know, it took me 25 minutes. So it's one of these things with your health, you have to maintain the car. Like that's the analogy. And that's good for the manhood one. My friend who's a girl play ball, she's like, yeah, the car engine thing, it didn't really work for me in your book, but I get what you mean, right? <laughs> when it breaks down, I call the mechanic. I'm like, no, that actually is the opposite of what I was saying. I was saying, you, you, know, you don't want to wait till the car breaks down. You know, you want to yeah, do the, right. you want to do the oil change. She's like, oh, I don't do those. I'm like, no, I know. But I'm saying you, you, you take it somewhere. He's like, yeah, but she's right. I don't do it. I'm like, right. Bad analogy for you. But for guys, yeah, you got to do the work to keep the car running. Check the oil, mm-hmm. check the tires, do these things. And you know what happens if you don't, right? Your car breaks down. Something's going to happen. So in that way, when we make that assessment and you make it fun, right? You make it fun. Like for me, it's really fun to think about what went well in my day. We talked about yeah. the gratitude. Mm-hmm. It's fun, man. It's fun. Make it fun. Like I saw this. So I was meditating. I have mm, a little porch. Like I was meditating outside and there's a couple of flowers there. And this hummingbird came right up into my face when my eyes were closed. Like I'm talking like two inches <laughs> and I could hear, whoa, whoa. I'm like, should I open my eyes? Will he poke me in my eyes? What's going to happen? Does he think I'm a flower? I don't look like one, you know? So I had all these, it was a really cool moment for me. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, and then you don't remember it later in the day, but because I have this practice, I'm like, oh, the hummingbird, the hummingbird. And I could, I could feel the hummingbird again. Yeah. And so that I think about health is like, we want joy coming back to what is health. Yeah. We want joy. We want to live with joy. That's what I want. That's what I want. So that's what I, I teach. Like I want joy. So I don't want to follow a pattern. I don't want to just meditate because someone told me to do I do it because it makes me happy. Yeah. I am happy yeah. because I do it. I don't suffer as much. And that end result is health, you know, joy, absence of suffering. That's all it yeah. is. I like that a lot. And I think that's something we talk about in this episode a lot about just taking inventory. And I think that there's a way to me, this is what comes to me, but you can take inventory in any of these other areas and houses of health. And I think that if you are experiencing the lack of joy in any of these areas, that's probably a sign that that house needs a little bit of extra help. In your book, I know you provide some exercises and tools. Do you have a simple exercise that people could do to take inventory of those? Like if you know, What's a simple like journal exercise you could say if one of those areas needs more love or attention than another? Mm-hmm. Well, I actually have a quiz. I'll put out the yeah. link. There's a little 10 question quiz called the blind spot quiz. It's only 12, I think yep. it's 12, 16 questions, four in each house. And you can get a really quick view of what you're doing. 
you know, we'll put that in the notes. I'll put that. Yeah. yeah put that in the notes. There's 16 questions validated through research. So all the questions relate to something that's been studied and proven to be helpful in each of the areas. If you don't want to do that quiz, you can just, what I do with people when I work with them, you can do a pie chart. I mean, you can draw a circle and just put in four quadrants, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and then write down what you're actually doing in each of those houses, right? So, So it's just a circle cut in four ways. So for me, like do it for myself right now, physical. Okay, I'm playing volleyball on the beach twice a week, weight training once a week. I'm doing like a body weight thing twice a week. And also nutrition wise, I'm eating three to four meals a day. Last meals at six. I have like a 12 hour window that I'm using, 14 hour window, not eating. So then now I'll move to my mental house. I am really trying not to look at the news at all. I haven't looked at it for 14 days now, you know? Mm-hmm. So that to me is my biggest thing. And number two, I'm doing the thing where I'm pulling back myself from my mind as much as I can. And then emotionally, I'm looking at that. What am I doing? I'm looking for, you know, so if we keep going on like that, you can come mm, see like all this. four. And so you look and see, but guess what you're doing also? You're going to feel good after looking because mm-hmm. you're actually doing more than you think. Yeah. You listen good. to this podcast, I guarantee you you're doing more than you think. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you weren't, right? You'd yeah. be listening to sports radio. There's nothing wrong with yeah. that. I listen to yeah. it. But if you're listening to this, you're probably trying to improve yourself. So you're probably doing already a lot. And you're not giving yourself like, God, you know, actually, actually, I'm doing pretty good. I'm actually doing yeah. pretty good. I'm doing better than I thought. So why am I not yeah. feeling so good? Then you'll find out which quadrant you're not actually working enough in. Mm. For like guys, that, usually it's the emotional one. Yeah. That's big. I think this is a good wake-up call for those of you who want to pick up the phone and, and take the call. So just a couple more things to, to wrap it up. Again, really appreciate your time here. Sure. So I guess before we get to the experiment, what are, it sounds like you're working on a few cool things. Like what are you putting out into the world right now yes. that we can consume more of you? So I guess obviously some entertainment stuff, if you have some things you're working on and then any of the stuff from your program or your book or anything sure. like that that you want to let people know about. Sure. The big thing that we're, I'm working on with um, fitness and nutrition coach. Her name is Julie De La Barre. I've known her for a lot of years. We're working on a platform called I've Got Cancer, What Now? Real mm-hmm. simple. We're coming out. We're putting out YouTube content. It's coming out really soon. It's going to lead into a course for people who have finished their Western treatment and are looking to improve their physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health. Because our system doesn't allow, doesn't pay for you to do that. And if you do work in this area of like integrative health, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, you decrease your recurrence rate by up to 33%. Wow. It's big. So if we're talking about 1.5 million people getting cancer, we're talking about three, 400,000 people that we could be helping by getting them to do more stuff, mm-hmm. by improving their nutrition and moving their mental health, emotional, spiritual health. You put it all together, you get this package of very powerful, very, very powerful technology. Priceless. Yeah, priceless. There'll yeah. be a little price to it, but it's going to be cheap. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to yeah. try to really make it so people can access this because I really, from a service perspective, I think this is the thing I think I see lacking in the system. We'll, we'll give you $30,000 a month chemo, but $30,000 a month radiation, $100,000 surgery, and then the insurances won't pay for $50 a month for you to maintain that health. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to go back to the life that got you cancer. Mm-hmm. And that that's not cool with me. 
So that's yeah. why I wanted to start this project. And so it's, you know, it's going to be called, I've got cancer. What now? It's something like that related to that's probably the name we're going to go with. So that's in my main project acting wise. So there was a big strike that just got over, but I voiced yeah, I uh, <laughs> it just over. One of the things I wasn't struck was doing a uh, voiceover. So I, I just voiced, there's a Korean show called devil's plan on Netflix and I voiced the yeah. main character. So that it's in Korean. So they had to turn it to English. So if you watch Devil's Plan and you watch it, I'm the main, I'm the voice of the main character. For oh, the English cool. version. The English version. Yeah. If <laughs> yeah. you watch English dub of Devil's Plan, I'm in so my IMDB number, that's the star meter rate. It went way up because I voiced this thing, yeah. <laughs> which is hilarious because it's not even me, but it's uh it's my voice. So nice. oh, I love it. As I heard on it. Netflix. Oh yeah? yeah. Did you see it? No. No, as the tagline for you, you know, they say as seen on Netflix, as, seen it. as heard on Netflix. Heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, that. And then, um, yeah, a couple of movies I've just done that are coming out now. We have a premiere for one coming out pretty soon. I'm not sure of the platform, but I have another movie called After the Rain that's on Amazon Prime too. Oh, so, awesome. Nice. Yeah, Love After it. the Rain. We'll put your links in the show notes for the book and whatever projects you're working on, we'll Great. put that in the show notes. So the Thank listeners you. could check it in the show notes below. Perfect. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, we always like to leave people with an experiment. This is just something that you can implement right away. You obviously, you've left us with quite a few. You've taught us to meditate. You have given us a way to take inventory. Is there anything else that comes to mind that something that we could implement and experiment and hopefully try on and, and keep using? What's something that comes to your mind? Oh. An exercise or a tool that you use, you recommend? Okay, I'm going to give you guys another tool. I gave you like 10 already, but I'm going to give you this yep. one. I want you to do it. You can't do it when you're driving, unfortunately, but it's really simple. It's to ask yourself, how do I feel? Take a breath. And you start with the body and say, so you ask yourself out loud. You're going to peel the onion and say, how do I feel? I'm going to do it for you. So how do I feel? My hips are tight. And you ask the question again, how do I feel? My throat's a little sore. How do I feel? I have some energy in my chest. I feel, I feel some joy. Mm -hmm. How do I feel? I feel, I feel relaxed. How do I feel? So this is the practice I'm giving you. It's just asking yourself, how do I feel? And answering mm -hmm. out loud. Starting with what you actually feel physically. And if you feel something emotionally, you say it. Mm. You don't give the reason. You just say, I feel angry and it's in my hands. It's in my hands. And you shake it off. How do I feel? You know, yeah, it's in my hands. I want to sh strangle something. Mm -hmm. Shake it out. So that's what I want you to try this experiment, getting your feeling place, start mm. by asking the question, going with what's there and let that onion peel off. When you first do it, you may only have physical things, but as you do it more, yeah. once your body starts to trust that you actually want to feel something, guess what? You have a lot of stuff to say. And is that okay? Just to add to that, is there an acceptance with that? So let's say I feel anxious about something sure. or I feel judgmental about something like that like do we want to accept this is that the next step to it or is it just feeling it you want to well say if you say said like you said i i feel anxiety i feel anxious then you have to ask okay 
where do I feel it? I feel that anxiety in my jaw. And then you breathe and let it out. Mm. It's not accepting it. It's releasing it. So using the breath to release it. So anxiety is a thought, but where do you feel that anxiety? Is it pressure in your head? You know, so we're so disconnected, connecting emotion to the body. That's why there's a disease aspect there because you're feeling it, you're cutting it off. Yeah. You need to connect your thought of anxiety, frustration. Frustration is just a word. Where is it felt mm-hmm. in the body? Where is frustration yeah. felt? Like me, I tighten my hips up. I, mean, I feel, mm-hmm. okay, my hips are tight. I'm frustrated. And then I released it, right? You feel it, it goes away. That's how you prevent disease. That's it. Ooh, I like so that. simple. I like it. Beautiful. Boom. This is powerful. Well, again, thank you for your time. I appreciate you and everyone. I hope we got some, I know you got some good nuggets here. So thank you for tuning in until the next time. This is the manhood experiment. We out. Boom. Nice. Hey, what's up? This is big dreams. Thank you for checking out today's episode of the manhood experiment. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe and give us five stars. Not only does your feedback matter, but it helps us to connect with others just like you that find value in our weekly episodes. So subscribe, share, and speak with your friends and family about today's episode. And most importantly, take care of yourself, keep growing, and join us again on the next episode of The Manhood Experiment.